Hello everybody, welcome back to The Call Up with your host, Daniel Holloway, and my co-host, Gabe Lloyd. How you doing, buddy? How you doing? I'm good. I'm tired. We all we did a little uh, Friday night of velodrome racing already tonight, and it was a lot of fun. It was the Nicole Reinhardt Memorial Women's Open, and so it was a whole night at women's racing, which is kind of cool. Um we also had some pro and men stuff in there, but it was really nice. We had a really nice turnout, and uh, it's kind of cool that it overlaps with the Tour de Femmes because uh, Kate Burno used to be the marketing director at the Velodrome, and she's now the person that has sort of spearheaded making the Zwift and the Tour de Femmes happen. So uh, it's a nice little cohesion, like overlap and celebration of women cycling at the Velodrome. So that was cool. It was great. And made it happen. Now here we are. That's killer. Yeah. Good. And the track's picking back up? The track's picking back up. Yeah. We're getting uh, getting some decent field sizes. And just about, you know, a little over a thousand people coming out and hanging out, drinking beers, yelling, stomping on the grandstands, all that good stuff. So it's, it's, it's fun. It's cool. Yeah. Nice. And what are we talking yeah. about today for Criteriums? ACC, stop number seven. We're in Intelligentsia. We're going to Lake Bluff, the Northwest Medicine Lake Bluff Criterium. You've what, raced this one. Yeah, one of my favorite courses. I like it. So It's a fun course. Uh, it's narrow, six corners, kind of a goofy corner one, chicane into corner two. And then it's narrow, basically the rest of the lap. Uh, it's kind of a cool feature, but it's like, it's, it's strange is that it's curbless all the way around. So it's road and then just like straight grass and then some sidewalk in spots. Uh, and, you know, and then the rest is two thirds of the course is residential. So everything basically not on Scratton or Center Ave um, is all residential. And for everybody that wants to follow along, you guys can go to intelligentsiacup.com schedule lake bluff halfway down that page is the course map so if you want to pause this go find that map and you can um, see what we're going to be talking about because there's a little bit to talk about on this course in terms of positioning where you want to be where you can move up all that we're gonna dive into that so go find that map so this is a six turn course but the first few turns on the map they look a little little crazy but in your experience they're not can you walk us through that yeah exit of one it you know it kind of starts bend back um you know into itself so instead of it being like a true 90 you know you're going to get like kind of barriers or what have you um starting to come at you instead of just being like a, a straight line but it's not so much that it's like a, a major factor in like how fast you can't go through that corner and they've also repaved corner one and that first bit of section. Um, so better traction, all that, but it's never been like a major spot. I feel like there's been, you know, a couple corner, couple crashes there that always, you know, it's just like one guy midfield that's like head down and he's trying to close like a couple bike lengths and just doesn't realize that you like, that's not the, a, the spot to do it. And like, you can't carry that much speed. So it's like either locks up the rear wheel or just like kind of, uh, you know, smashes into that, the course coming back into itself. 
Um, and then, yeah, going into corner two is more straightforward than it looks on the map. Um, it's not as, like, right-left uh, that we see that we see there, so it's pretty easy. And then corner three from Center Ave onto Eviston is narrow. Um, Center Ave is narrow itself. Uh, it's blocked off by median. Uh, okay. And then onto Eviston, which is another, like, kind of a single car, car and a half wide type road. So that's one where it's, like, Center Ave, you're going, like, really fast. And it's not like a full 70k an hour corner. It's like you definitely have to like hit the brakes and figure out uh, what your speed is. It's not just like a full hoon wide open. Uh, it is kind of nice. That there is like grass and you can, if you do overcook it, you can kind of get back on top of your tires and like ride it out. But since it is grass, you can't just like lean it back over and get it back onto the course. Got it. And then corner four, pretty simple, you know, Everything else is pretty simple, but it's all, again, narrow roads. So three guys, four guys wide, maybe like on the straightaways, but definitely two wide is like pushing it at race pace. Uh, so it's pretty single file, basically all the way from corner one, nearly all the way around Glen Ave to the last corner. And then the main straightaway is where it's long enough and wide enough that you can make up a, a lot of space. But everything else is just forced to be single file, just with how narrow the the roads are around here, which I think is great. Yeah, I mean, I think it puts a lot of pressure on being in position early, so that if you so you don't have to burn your sprint just getting into position, right? Because there's nowhere to jump. You can't just jump out and around. Really, I think you kind of have to drag race on narrow streets move yourself up if you find yourself out of position i think if you're one of like those like 10 top 10 riders in each field that are like crafty it's almost a course that like is pretty good for you to save energy and move up because you can just like where so many people are like hesitating and not sure like when to pedal again after a corner or they're setting up a little too early you can just find all these little holes to move up two three four spots at once Okay. You know, and if you're just one of those guys, you're one of those riders that has that, then yeah, you can just like move around at will pretty easily without having to do, like you said, these kind of efforts where you have to pop out and just jam really hard and then try to like slot back in and then hit the brakes because you're racing somebody. Or, you know, just being like waiting till the main straight and then doing like one big effort to try to move up as much as you can. Uh, you know, guys like, you know, Ty Magner, Gomez, Clever Martinez, you know, those type of riders are going to be able to find like little holes all over the course to just kind of pick up two, three spots here and there and, and move around without too much difficulty. But somebody who's just like not good at that, they are going to, yeah, struggle and end up wasting like a lot of energy. I was watching Kerry Warner's last five laps on YouTube before this and it's really interesting to watch Justin Williams just float away from him without pedaling. Yep. It, it was just like Justin's there. And then there's this moment through one and two where Justin makes up like a ton of space in the Peloton without hardly pedaling at all from what I can see. And I think that it's, it's such an art in a way to understand how to float and, 
ride lines and trust where you can put yourself and your bike in order to uh, make up spaces versus just smashing pedals. And because you just can't get there. I mean, uh, most of, I find that most of us have got through this discipline by smashing pedals. And you used to try to practice how low of a wattage could you have in the middle of the race kind of thing as like a game. But I think ultimately the real art is to just learn how to dance through yeah. the Peloton. Right? Yeah. And this is like a course that like, you know, motor, motor racing, it's like, you know, carrying momentum or like momentum racing, like go-karts is very much momentum racing. You want to carry momentum through every corner, right? Just max speed, the least amount of brakes you can use, carry momentum to get back on the gas, like keep the RPMs up. So this is a very much one of those types of courses, at least the first half of this, first four corners is all momentum carrying. So how can you set up each corner an instance to you know, use your brakes as little as possible to carry the most speed? And that's like probably what Justin was doing, was like leaving some space in front of him, carrying speed, more speed through the corners, and then only have to do like three hard pedal strokes while everybody else, like, you know, he went through it at 45k an hour, everybody else went through it at 40k an hour. And then he only has to add a little bit of speed to go 47, and everybody's still trying to accelerate from 40. You know, and you can do that in four different spots here and make up big room from just having that speed, like big speed difference because you're just carrying momentum better than the other guys by just seeing the line, creating some space, and just and driving your bike. Yeah. So that's the first half of this course is all about doing that, whether you're maintaining position, saving energy, or or moving up, is just figuring out those lines and the ability to carry momentum into position. Because yeah, there's a lot of these corners where you have to break and you're going to slow down and you have to reaccelerate. So it's who can minimize those that throughout the the duration of the race. So as a team, how early does a successful lead out begin here uh this is when it's 75 minutes but this is a course that's like super easy to ride the front because it's narrow so it's really easy to protect your spot um you know with with minimal energy there's not a ton of drag racing that happens right it's just really again the, the home stretch is the only major drag race and if you're doing the lead out you know if you're a good good team controlling it if you're doing it correctly you're really not going to get anybody kind of riding next to you until like halfway up that straightaway anyways so you have one team kind of fighting you and by the time you get halfway you've already kind of started to move left to protect your inside and then for another quarter of that straightaway like you're inside protecting that and then you know your half your team's going to float to the outside to protect anybody coming around the right while your back half stays inside to prevent anybody from like really dive bombing you know and so the the team kind of splits and then comes back together after after corner one. And so it's just a big acceleration from the last corner through, you know, the first 60% of that straightaway that is like the big the biggest effort. Everywhere else, like from corner one to corner two, the guy in front's taking like, you know, eight pedal strokes, you know, maybe, and then kind of coasting through two. And then, you know, again, 
a small acceleration. So it's just like not that much hard, consistent pedal. You can just do a ton of recovery at the front. But is this a, a course where you'll see a, a program like Legion work the front from the beginning just to protect it? Or are they going to come up late and with like 10 laps to go and start their effort then? That's the women's program. They have six guys here, but it's not their A team. Justin's not here, right? So you have Carpenter, Murphy, Boardman, Magner, Eddie, Frere, and, or Edder Frere, and Corey. So it's like they only really have Ty and Corey sprinting and the other four guys, which, you know, like Edder Frere is like not the biggest, you know, crit guy. Kyle Murphy's like not the biggest crit guy that wants to like mix it up. Um, so to only kind of have two guys, you know, you only kind of have Corey really protecting the train. That's just like a lot of energy. So I don't think they should take it from the front from the beginning. My guess is they probably will try. That's just kind of their tried and true thing to do. You definitely have Samuel Boardman to like lean into, to help control, get those first three, four guys, you know, working, um, together. So my guess is they're going to, this is one that they could definitely kind of ride the front the whole time. And they're not going to have, like we've seen in other wider courses where they're going to have multiple trains on either side of them uh, causing problems. You okay. know, there's only like kind of room for one other train to get up and be annoying next to them. Um, so if they don't ride fast enough, it could be annoying, you know, because it's just going to be like a lot of people want to be there. So it could be a lot of swirl, a lot of wash machine going on. Right. So they have but they have that going. This, but is this going to be like a situation where other teams are going to try to take advantage of it? So like Miami Knights is coming into this with Gomez, Rodriguez. Uh, I think uh, I think our Mar Marte is here as well. Like, are, are Miami Knights going to try and establish themselves at the front of this and to disrupt sort of a tradition? Because what we saw in Salt Lake was interesting in that there was no legion, especially at the end after Corey put himself on the ground there and Robin didn't jump on the back of that train. There was this interesting dance between Danny Summerhill and Rodriguez while Ben Reedsburg was trying to, and Noah were trying to do a, do a lead out. Is there a situation where legion is not so dominant in this for on the men's side and then we'll also jump into the women's side as well to understand sort of if miami knights on the women's side are also going to have a lot of onus on them to try and really control this race yeah i think they're going to take the onus i mean like they have won quite a few of this overall intelligentsia series right but um you know one of the kiwis is kind of leading the overall mr consistent but it's in it's in their best you know kind of interest to be at the front, even if they're not all lined up, but just together again because it's so narrow, etc. But you know the other teams are going to have to be race really aggressive from the beginning to keep it fast and strung out, and they want that because it's easier to move up. And it sounds counterintuitive, but when it's at one single line, you can find space to move up. Whereas if it's slow and everybody's across the road, there's just nowhere to go. You can't you're like you're just kind of stuck where you're at. Um, in that case, too, there's also the potential if, again, the right mix happens, it only takes one or two teams to kind of like just balloon in the road. 
and the gap can go out super fast. And okay. if anybody's missed it, it's um, it's a pretty hard you know chase kind of thing. So, a couple of things so, at play. There's breakaways that have stuck on this course in the men's race. Yeah, um, kind of for that, question. kind of yeah. for that reason, is that it's easy to also block and kill speed on this course because the roads are narrow. So, if you have the guy or guys you want up the road, it's easy to kind of just like snake along and kill momentum, and only one or two guys can get around to chase, and then, you know, before there's another corner, and it gets slowed down again. Okay. Interesting. And I think the yeah. same the same dynamic plays out for the women, right? The the Legion gals are gonna do have the are gonna have the same kind of mindset to, you know, race it at the front uh, together. And you know, the big difference there for the women is they're racing seventy five minutes, which is you know, a little bit longer than normal. So I don't see the, those women try to uh, control it from the front. I think they're just gonna be present in a lot of the stuff. And again, they have a whole team, maybe outside Aguilo, that can be in the breakaway and be successful, or put multiple goals, girls up there in okay. in those in those moves. Yeah, the uh, the dynamic in the women's field is interesting, with a pretty strong Legion of Los Angeles representation. But then the Aussies that we had talked about in Salt Lake are represented up here in the race predictor with Peta Mullins. Uh, and then Paolo Munoz is here. And then your number one pick for Salt Lake. Was it Salt Lake or Boise where you picked uh, Marlias? Marlias, yeah. Marlias, yeah. Um, she's up there as well. And Stephanie Holomek has made the top 10 for the potential race predictor for LA Sweat. Uh, I mean, it's. I wonder if there's an opportunity here for DNAs and Miami Knights and. Virginia Blue Ridge and LA Sweats and Denver Disruptors, like again, working through these these dynamics of trying to change what happens in the final five laps, where two up attacks and more concentrated, thoughtful, uh, patient moves to establish breakaways that can actually survive instead of just trickling ones and twosies across that just make it easy to reel that stuff back in. Is that a possibility here with this course being somewhat narrow and then a good strong representation from a very deep 80 plus person field on the women's side? Yeah, I think in the women's races, they, if you wait till five to go and Legion can get to the front and start control it, I think they're going to have a very hard time. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of energy wasted behind that train for people trying to fight position. Mm-hmm. So if you've, kind of misplaced yourself going into like five to go and you're like, you're a little far back. I think you have to like get with a couple teammates and be very patient and not get into that absolute fight of being right behind Legion. Just get outside of the washing machine, let everybody else kind of fight and make one big move with probably seeing two to go out of the last corner is do your one big effort and go right, right next to the, the Legion chain. Like Get up as far as you can. Um, and then, yeah, with a lap and a half to go is when like they're probably going to like pick up the pace and it's going to get start to strung out. And all the tire legs are going to be in the way and gaps are going to open. Right? And then it's, it's right. just going to like kind of string out a little bit. But that's your time to do your one move to get into position instead of fight for five laps continuously behind the train because there's 
so much room for washing machine to happen and you just get like bounced around. Uh, and so you, I think in the women's field, you could be, it would behoove you to be patient if you don't, aren't able to just absolutely either take the front from Legion or claim your space like right next to them. If you're trying to fight for the back of that train, I think you're just gonna be wasting a lot of energy from, you know, five to the finish. You're better off just kind of like moving a little bit back and then just waiting for that moment to do one big move to get into position with two to go, like going through okay. scene two to go. Interesting. I, one of the things you just t- touched on was fatigue in the legs. And this is part of a multi-day series where men and women have been racing continuously although we do see an influx of new riders that come in just for the ACC stop. So how much is fatigue going to play into the tactics for this night at Lake Bluff, in your opinion? Mm, I would say that it's, it's not going to affect the top 50% of the field all that much. Um, you know, the lower 50% that are feeling fatigue are going to be less inclined to like want to attack and you know be pretty aggressive, but I don't think it affects the mindset of the top fifty all that much, to be honest. Okay. And if you're one of those top fifty percent riders that are coming in here with fresh legs, again, you have to find your peers that want to race really hard with fresh legs. So it may just because you have fresh legs coming into like a tired field doesn't mean that like you can all of a sudden make like a big big impact if you don't have people that want to like achieve, achieve your same goal. Got it. I mean, and I, I just cross-referenced against the weather for tomorrow. And frankly, it's going to be beautiful. A high of 77 degrees and partly sunny. I mean, geez, that's amazing. Yeah. And so, I guess another kind of going into your fatigue is today was canceled, right? Uh, Friday's racing was canceled due to the weather. So everybody kind of got an extra rest rest day in. So you're not going to have the full fatigue, right, of the full racing week because okay. a, a rest day was kind of like inadvertently thrown into weather. So you have oh, that. Yeah. You're gonna have, everybody's going to be a little more rested. Yeah, I'm seeing that severe storms, tornado warnings, all sorts of stuff happening in Chicago right now. Um, but like we but see like, like in big, like, you know, the tours, like there's a lot of people that don't come off rest days very well. Right. They just like are blocked up and, you know, they just can't, can't get it going. And then you see some people like really come out of race days like super well. So I don't know in this instance how much that affects which riders all that much. And I don't think it's, it's not like a crybaby hill course or a Stillwater course to have to really like flush or suss that out. Okay. That type of thing. And why is that? It's just like, what's the difference there? Because it's flat. You know, there's no feature to really like take on a ton of water unless a team wants to make it a very start-stop race. Um, That's the only other way to kind of suss that out other than like having a a hill feature that's going to cause fatigue to everybody. Okay. Um, and it's just who handles that, who handles that the best. So in flat okay. courses, it's 
you know, that's this short. Yeah, you don't, you're not really going to see that play out too much. But it's of a note. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, let's get into some predictions here. Let's start with our ladies first. And, uh, I mean, it's been such an interesting dynamic of races at Intelligentsia Cup. I mean, Danny Moore's had taken a pretty impressive win at one point uh, in the week. But it, it, we've seen a lot of breakaways. We've seen some field kicks. Um, but overall, you know, we've got this interesting race predictor, but we're not quite sure that it's actually representative of what we think is really going to occur in our in our fields. Um, so, I mean, if you're going to roadresults.com and then wrangling data, you'll see something. But I think that we're seeing, we're thinking it's going to be something else. Um, so, yeah, what's your hot take on sort of the data that's being wrangled here at road results versus what you think is going to occur on day of? So I think it's going to be Sam, Kendall, Paula, Marleas, Pettimullins. Okay. And Dark Horse is Harry Owen. All right. My pick is Skyler, Schneider, Kendall Ryan, second, because she's going to be the remnants of the lead out. Paula Munoz, because she's going for ACC and the team is going to try to set her up. Nicola McDonald, because her sprint in Salt Lake was really interesting. She was really far back, but she made up a ton of ground late. And then Harriet Owen in fifth. Okay. I like it. I mean, it is a long sprint. From four to the finish is long. Yeah, you want to be third, fourth wheel, depending on the wind. Yep. Um, further up is the tailwind, further back if it's a headwind. So... It, you don't have to you have to be in position because you can't come from like too far back right and you don't want to be caught out by any kind of gaps opening or tactics of teams sitting up and creating gaps um, so McDonald as you pointed out from Salt Lake does have speed over a long sprint to make up position so I could see her coming from 8th to get to get 4th um, okay. you know uh, but again we just don't know the full foreign dynamic of how much she may or may not be helping Peta keep the intelligentsia jersey. That's true. I mean, and maybe Peta is going to end up wanting everybody to ride for her in that instance. And so you'll swap out Peta for Nicola. I just really thought that when we watched the overhead drone shot of Nicola sprinting in Salt Lake, that it was, I was impressed by that. I mean, yeah, no, it was. Yeah, so. Um, and Harriet, you know, she gets that gear right, and the weather's good. I think that weather really makes Harriet a factor here because it won't be blazing hot. It'll be a little bit more her northern England. Yeah, temperature range. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just hope that. I mean, like what we saw, there's with the DNA team is, you know, they set up early, kind of fell apart. And she's susceptible to like spending energy fighting. So if she could find a way to not have to spend too much energy inside five to go, then I think she becomes a factor. If she starts taking off, taking on water, and having like micro fights and micro battles for five laps, I think that that wears on her and it takes her out of the finish. Yeah, it's too much, and I agree that I've seen DNA and Denver 
go to the front too soon. Right. They're, they're taking on these loads way too early for what they're capable. Cause if you're going to go to the front, you just got to ride that speed. Right. I yep. mean, that's the whole point of doing it is to ride a speed that nobody else can come around you. And then so you really got to back out from the finish and reverse engineer how, when that's going to occur. Um, but I think if it occurs at the same time as another team, whether that's Legion or Denver or Miami or anybody else, you really have to take the onus to try to own it. And whether you're going to drag race or you're going to just full-on commit to riding over the top of somebody, we'd really like to see that, right? And like really see some some battles for control so that we're drive, delivering sprinters to the finish line. Yep. So on to the men. On to the men. What are your uh, pick a pick us pick us? My picks. I have Alfredo Rodriguez, Danny Summerhill, Ty Magner, Ben Oliver, and Brian Gomez. A strange mix. My thought is that Brian would be the remnants of the lead out for Alfredo, and that. They will be focusing, Miami Knights will be focusing on ACC in a way to try to get Danny. But I think that Danny has proven that he is capable of winning and that'll be a really positive mental shift for him. But I think that um, with Brian Gomez here, it gives the advantage back to Miami Knights on the lead out and the control at the crucial moments of the final two laps. So that's why I have Alfredo back at the top. Interesting. And I think Ty's there as like the sort of de facto sprinter. I sort of feel like Corey's quicker, but I feel like this is more of a Ty, like fight it sort of dynamic. So, but I don't necessarily know if he's got the speed that Rodriguez and Danny have right now, which is how he ends up in third. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he was he's winning races. He won Boise, which is a fast sprint. Uh, you know, it's not a long sprint, but it is fast. So a drag race, kind of. Not no, not terribly because it's so. It's just it's just fast, but it's not. But I wouldn't road, say it's a drag race. But the roads are so wide and all that stuff. Like, isn't it just a completely different feel? Right. Yeah, but like uh, Boise, you just carry so much momentum, so it's like you kind of like fast rest through a corner, a couple pedal strokes, rest through a corner, and you're just like, you're already entering that that sprint so fast, which favors okay. favors high. Unlike a, and not that he can't, but leading out a sprint like Salt Lake isn't Ty's forte, where that definitely starts to swing into like a guy like Summy who can just like grind it out for 22 seconds. Ah, uh, okay. And so in this sprint as well is it's not like a the final corner isn't you can't take it full gas again there's speed modulation because the roads are narrow yeah so there's that factor where it's like you can't launch into this through the last corner max speed and carry it is that there is a speed pickup that somebody's in charge of whether that's your lead out guy or you're stuck at the front or somebody and it's just who can like modulate that ramp the best before launching their final sprint to the line okay but at these speeds isn't the acceler the final acceleration really before turn six well there's like there's going to be initial but again it's 
it's narrow. And yeah. again, you can't carry all that acceleration through the corner because you have to you have to use your brakes a little bit. You, there's going to be some modulation, so you don't get to carry that acceleration between five and six through that corner fully like you do in a course like Boise or even Salt Lake. Okay. Hmm. So what's your pick? So I have Rodriguez, Ty, Summy, Dusan, Gomez. Dusan. My goodness. Yeah. That's from the past. I haven't talked about him since Tulsa. Yeah, I think he's got the skills to be kind of crafty here on a course like this. He's been doing well the other nights as well. Looks like, uh, you know, Intelligency definitely has more drivers types courses than other series uh, earlier this year. So I think that plays into him, his favor a little bit about just being crafty enough to be in a position to like, you know, kind of follow the wheels. Somebody I don't think has the team to just like get him far enough forward here. Yeah. Um, and so I think Rodriguez does, which I think is going to be to his advantage to go through you know if he if he has Gomez launching him then I think that really helps him and I think that's what's going to happen and whether that launches happens behind or in front of Legion you know we're going to find out but I still think regardless if it's yeah Rodriguez Ty Sami Dusan Gomez okay I mean I certainly agree with the Rodriguez and Kind of for the same reason, I just feel like Gomez is going to end up just as in the top five just by the... I just don't see him getting... I feel like the gaps are going to open up behind this 